Should you build your own portfolio? Or more importantly, how do you go about doing it? Right? I think over time, we've learned a lot of stuff, right? From picking your own stocks, picking your own ETFs, a little bit about REITs, a little bit about bonds here and there. Um, and the question is, okay, now we know all these parts. How do we put all of them together? Should you even consider to build your own portfolio, right? So there are a lot of intricacies involved in this. And I'm not saying that I can cover everything for you, but I'm going to give you some broad ideas, right? So we're going to run a two-part series to establish this idea of how do you go about building your own portfolio. Firstly, I need you to know I'm not a professional and I'm not trying to give you a professional advice, but this is how I do it. And in the first part, we're going to establish some terms, understanding the, you know, major ideas out there of how people go about doing it. And then next part, we'll do it, right? So welcome on board this uh, two-part series of building your own portfolio. I hope that at the end of the day, you can learn some stuff or at least be able to have a better idea of how do you go about doing this and pick your portfolio manager. Welcome home. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today, we're going to spend some time on this first part series to understand modern portfolio theory. What is it trying to do? And some basic terminologies to get you warmed up before we go into part two next week to talk about how do you build your own portfolio. Woohoo, Xiao excites, huh? Today's episode is a special one because I think a lot of people have been asking about this for a really long time. And, you know, I have been a little apprehensive to do it for a while because it is actually very difficult to really explain it beyond just throwing terms at you. And, you know, uh, for like a better way to put it, it's very hard for most people to do this. So, you know, I was like, hmm, do we really want to talk about this? But over time, I realized that, okay, okay, I think uh, our community is getting better and better we um, learn all these little components over time and now maybe it's time to level up and talk about things that are a little bit more complicated like building your own portfolio and if you have ever considered building your own portfolio it shouldn't be foreign for you to hear this theory called modern portfolio theory right and uh, most of the portfolios out there are built based on modern portfolio theory even those that uh, say they are not based on modern portfolio theory has elements of it Right, which we will talk about it um, as we go along. I'm not saying that I'm like a strong believer of this theory, but it is the current standards. Right? So in the market currently, most portfolios are built this way. So let's start here, right? Understanding this first before we go into, you know, how do I interpret and how do other people interpret, you know, a modern portfolio theory. So that's the first thing we're going to embark, right? Try to stay with me for the first few minutes because inevitably, I need to talk about some mathematical ideologies and some terms, right? So I will try my very best to explain to you without uh, having you tune off or faint. Huh? So modern portfolio theory was founded in the 1950s by this guy called Harry Markowitz. 
Um, honestly, I, I definitely butcher his name. Lah, but that, that's not the point, right? The point is, um, what is he trying to do here in this theory, right? So the central idea of uh, MPT, Modern Portfolio Theory, is to try to create maximum expected returns possible with minimal amount of risk. Okay, so two major terms are uh, maximum amount of expected returns and minimal amount of risk, right? So we will go into this as we go along. But at this moment in time, you'll be like, wow, really, man? Can like that, man? Sounds amazing. Ah, promised land. Uh, the reality is it is um, a lot tougher <laughs> to, to do it than the, the theory sounds, lah, right? Because there are a lot of assumptions as we go along. But without going into the technical details, uh, there are some things that we need to talk about first before we dive deeper. So based on MPT, okay? One of the things that you need to understand is that every tool has an historical expected return. Okay, this is what the theory assumes and it is based off probability over a certain time period. Okay, so let me give you an example. Let's say in 10 years, okay, in 10 years, for the past 10 years, 9 years, there's this one investment that makes 10% a year and there's this one year that it made a loss of 30%. In other words, right, there's a 90% chance of you making that 10% return in this 10 years time period and 10% chance of you losing 30%. So when you weigh that risk out, the mathematical calculation is 0.9 times 0.1, right? 90% of 10% yield plus 0.1 times negative 0.3. 10% of 30% loss. Then you bracket the whole thing and you multiply 100%. The average, the historical expected return, okay, is 6%. Okay, so let me just give you another example. In another investment, okay, in 10 years, investment B in 10 years, 5 years, it makes 12% a year. And then the other 5 years, it made 3% a year. So 0.5 times 0.12, 50% chance of making 12% in 10 years, plus 0.5 times 0.03, 50% chance of making 3% in the other 5 years and then you bracket the whole thing times 100% is 7.5%, right? So the historical expected return for the past 10 years is 7.5%. The idea is not to help you become a math pro. Lah. Anyway, if this one can become math pro, math pro is a bit cute. Lah. But anyway, the idea is to understand the historical expected returns first. Right? It's very easy to find. You can just go you know, Google uh, historical expected return of S&P 500 or historical expected return of Straits Times Index. Whatever index that you're trying to find, someone has already did the calculation. Right? So that is the historical expected return. Number one thing that is very crucial in a modern portfolio theory because they want to find out what is the chances of making this amount over an expected time period. So historical means all the way since they have tracked and right, all the way to now, weighted across the probability. Lah. And in other words, it means that um, we are trying to find the average potential yield of this particular investment no? across the whole time period, right? So that means at any one time that you buy, the highest possibility of you attaining is, let's say, in investment B, 7.5% in that year, right? Probability weighted. No? Right? Of course, it does not mean that definitely it will happen. You may be just nice, sway, sway. You buy this year, next year, lose. But if you hold it out for a longer term period, it will average out to be about 7.5%. That is what it's trying to tell you, uh, average potential yield. And the next thing that you need to understand in MPT is this idea called standard deviation, right? It's a very statistical term. In other words, it is trying to find out 
how much volatility, how much variance this thing has, right? If this year it makes 30%, next year it makes 10%, the next year it loses 50% while the movement is very big, right? So there's a lot of fluctuations, very big fluctuations, right? If every year it makes 3%, 4%, 3%, 4%, then the volatility is very low, the standard deviation is very low, right? The variance is very low. Of course, a lot of people use standard deviation, volatility, variance very interchangeably, but technical terms, they have differences. The idea is to try to find things with uh, as limited fluctuations as possible. Why? Because based on MPT, there is an association with higher volatility to higher risk. The more the portfolio moves this year, higher, the other next year, very, very low, up, down, up, down like that, then it associates it as very risky because very volatile. Right? Because of course, I know risk to many people are different, but in this theory, risk is volatility. The higher the volatility, the higher the risk. So in the pursuit of MPT, modern portfolio theory, they are trying to get the most amount of yield, highest maximum expected return to the lowest volatility. Right, Most number of potential yield to the lowest volatility, which is the lowest risk. So, okay, huh? you get the idea, yeah? Essentially, that is what it is, right? And in the process of constructing a portfolio through this theory, there's this other term called correlation, which we will talk about it next week, okay? I don't want you to go crazy first. You just need to understand these two things first, yeah? Highest expected return and the concept of volatility associated to risk. Correlation, we talk about next week. Okay, so that is the brief idea of MPT, Modern Portfolio Theory. Of course, we can go into the mathematical calculation and statistical calculation, but those things are not important for us, right? We are just layman retail investors. More importantly is now that we have recognized that MPT is the common knowledge out there, it's a benchmark for uh, modern day portfolio creation, then how do we actually do it for ourselves if we don't want to participate in two complex strategies using you know, all your synthetic, your derivatives, your you know, all these different tools that um, are a lot more complicated. How do we then do it for ourselves, right? Because we are not professionals, lah. we're just retail guys trying to make a little bit more money or at least know what's going on so that we can pick the right guys that we are trying to, you know, work with. So in the later part of this episode, I'm going to spend some time to throw out some basic ideological questions for you, three basic ideological questions for you when creating a portfolio, right? And in this process, I'm going to try to address some of these uh, pointers within MPT and maybe some of these pointers that I see different from how MPT does it. So now we will take a break and listen to a word from our sponsor before we come back uh, to give you the three ideological questions to get you started when creating your own portfolio. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, much like many other theories out there, it is always mathematically calculated and scientifically backed, right? So it is, a, for lack like of a better way to put it, very neat. There are a lot of assumptions involved, things like um, historical yield, things like assuming volatility to risk, you know, things like finding a correlation and, you know, or a lack of correlation with different, different tools, which we will talk about next week. But the idea is because it is too neatly put together, I think a lot of times um, it 
it does not really recognize real life, right? Because um, yeah, it's a mathematical formula. Ma. So ultimately, you got to take these theories. The theories have basis, okay? They're not baseless. Some people just conveniently throw these things out. But I don't think um, it is fair to put it that way because uh, reality is when you diversify, you're already subscribing to some essence of modern portfolio theory because you're buying different tools to try to you know dampen the volatility because if you assume the share market to be the highest most volatile thing then you buy all these other things you're trying to like reduce the volatility for like a better way to put it right? and um yeah mpt is is what it is lah. but all that being said what are some questions that you probably need to have to begin building your own portfolio number one question okay how long is your investment horizon? In other words, when will you start eating from your investments? Okay, a lot of people say how long, how long, but they, they never indicate what does it mean by how long. The reality is when you start eating into your investments, that means you no longer have an active income and you're starting to draw down from your investments. That is when you need to really be concerned about, you know, balancing your portfolio, generating cash and focusing on more like cash generation, more dividend-based kind of stuff rather than trying to accumulate capital gains through the volatile stock market. Which brings us back to MPT, right? So under MPT, you realize that the measurement of risk is based on volatility, right? So since everybody is trying to, you know, build lower volatile stuff, right, they will always add on other things to kind of dampen that volatility so that, it, you know, there's a reduced assumed risk, right? So from a portfolio perspective, it may be true, but you know, is that what we really want? Is that who we are at this moment in time, right? But why is this important to understand, okay? To dampen volatility in a portfolio, right? It is very expensive, okay? First, you can lose out on opportunity cost, right? From opportunity cost angle, because uh, if the stocks are making 10% a year on average, then because the volatility of stocks are seem to be one of the highest and you want to reduce the volatility so that you uh, reduce risk by MPT's idea, uh, you shift 30% of your total portfolio to something like a fixed income bonds, which pays you about 2% a year. With a much lower volatility, of course, because they are fixed income bonds, man. they pay you a fixed output every year, right? And in that sense, you immediately dampen the volatility already, right? Because it's a relative standpoint. Compared to 100% in the stock market, now you 70% in the stock market, 30% fixed income bonds pay you lesser, but definitely it's less volatile, right? Because um, for like a better way to put it, fixed income bonds are way less volatile, right? And Things we have like variants and beta and all those things are very complex. If you want to understand more, we can talk about it another time. But all those things are not as important yet. The idea here is you are sacrificing potential returns of 10% a year to be 7.6%, okay, ex highest expected historical return um, for the sake of reducing volatility in your portfolio, right? And it definitely reduces the volatility with reduced risk. But like, do you really need it at this moment in time? That is something you need to ask yourself. Of course, there are many other ways to you know, divert these risk uh, options, derivatives, uh, insurance, etc., etc. Not important. The idea is because it is so expensive to participate in an MPT style kind of portfolio, do you need it now, now, right? Because most people, when they participate in this kind of portfolio construction, they are just trying to reduce market fluctuation using other investment tools. And, you know, if your runway is very, very far ahead, you say 20, 30 years, then do you really care about these kind of reducing of fluctuations? Is it important to you? 
right? Of course, you know, picking your own stocks using ETS, whether is it, you know, you invest in US, China, Japan, Singapore, whatever emerging markets, right? All those are ongoing discussions that we can talk about in terms of the stock market, you know, but, you know, you can go to episode 36, 54, right? Yeah, we got a lot of investment related uh, stuff. But the central question now is, do you need it now, now, right? So my view is for most people, uh, you probably should participate in MPT style kind of portfolio slightly later in your 40s or 50s. Okay, especially for me, la, I would do that. If let's say I were to continue down this narrative of working and working, then um, I will probably start to engineer MPT portfolio in my 40s and 50s. Why? Right? Because that is the period of time when I start to experience increased risk of being pricing out of the labor market. That means people don't want my skills already. My skills out passe already. Right? So I got insufficient active income to continue to compound or you know maybe even meet my expenses if just so my expenses keep climbing over time. Then then there is a reason for me to really look into like building portfolios like that. You know, which is like less volatile, more predictable, so then I can then eat from it. But I just want to caution you this idea that your financials are not just your investments. You have your insurance, you have, you know, your savings and all these other elements, right? So if you already hatch, you have savings three years to hatch, you have insurance to hatch against, you know, uh, financial black holes because of medical situations or whatever, fire or something, um, then why do you still need to further hatch more, you know, from a portfolio standpoint if you're not planning to eat it anytime soon because it's expensive to participate in this kind of portfolio styles, right? But of course, once you are eating into your portfolio, oh, then there's a different story. Then we have to create more predictable income uh, through those portfolios. Which brings me to my second question that you need to ask yourself when building your own portfolio is, how much fluctuations can you handle from a worst case scenario? The thing about, you know, MPT, right? I keep using it because that is the benchmark today, right? Is that they try very hard to just kind of perform always the same. So they're very focused on trying to create the mean forever and ever, right? To, so that whatever season uh, is the same, or supposedly that's what they're trying to do, lah, right? But if you think about it, life is not one case, right? There's always seasons, all things are always changing. So if you can be nimble with your lifestyle, knowing what are your survival needs, your creativity needs, your thriving needs, all those different stuff, then you won't really need to be so uptight about always performing a line, right? And in that sense, by doing that, sacrificing some potential upside gains. But that is from an investment returns, very strategic point of view. This question number two, it's a very psychological question point of view, right? Because if the market fluctuates, right, which it will happen uh, unless we change this whole capitalistic system, assuming this thing repeats itself, then every 10 years, there'll be a dip, right? And I think for the past 100 years, the worst dip so far in the US market is about uh, 60%, right? So... Worst case scenario is down 60%. Can you handle 60% for a few years? It's like 60% drop in your portfolio for a few years? Or do you have extra capital that you can then double down in to then ride through this downtime? But if you psychologically cannot handle a 60% drop, okay, you won't know until you really handle it. <laughs> so 2019, 2020 gave you some insights into like what is the worst shit that can happen from a psychological standpoint. Can you sleep not? Right? So if... 
you cannot handle 60%, then a few things. Like one thing, you probably get someone else to manage your money because I think you don't understand investments enough or you don't have the kind of emotional rigor to be in the market. The other thing is you can always, instead of putting you know um, 100% in the stock market, which will render you 60% dip in your portfolio, you can put 50% in the stock market. And then that will render you the lowest dip of 30% in your overall portfolio, right? So you already cut that by half just because you put half your money in the stock market, half your money not in the stock market. So then overall portfolio will not dip by 60%. It will only dip by 30% just by pure, you know, percentage wise. And I actually started with all stocks, 100% in the stock market. And uh, over time, I think maybe I'm getting older or maybe I have a little bit more so that I want to put it in different places and or maybe I cannot thought you're influenced by all this MPT stuff that I feel like, yeah, maybe I should you know, buy a little bit of other stuff, which I think we've talked about it in the earlier episode this month. I'm building a REITs portfolio. If you have not checked it out, you should check it out. And I also own a little bit of gold in my portfolio, but that's about it, right? And over time, I will keep tweaking and keep adjusting. Uh, but at this moment in time, it's still like predominantly in the stock market. Which brings me to point number three, okay, of uh, questions to ask yourself, building your own portfolio. And that is, what are the tools that you actually understand? So if you understand what is going on, essentially all these managers are trying to build a broadly diversified portfolio. That is the marketing term. Broadly diversified portfolio. Okay, but when they go to their office in the back end, right, they will have all these uh, other measurements as to how much the movement of the stock market affects the bond market, how much then it affects property, how much then it affects gold. And then if let's say maybe these days they will have crypto or maybe, you know, all these different things that they will, all the different baskets of investment tools out there that they will then pick and choose to build a particular portfolio that meets your needs. Right, so same idea, maximum gain, lowest volatility, assuming lowest risk. Okay, but these are professional guys, you know, then even they are going nuts and they are being driven into things like art, la, wine, la, cheese, la, venture cap, la, you know, watches, whatnot, la, right? So all the collectibles and alternative investments. But all those things don't exactly matter if you are trying to do it on your own. Because fundamentally, they probably have a better idea why do they buy these things. But for most people, right, they really only buy it off some like random correlation observation. What do I mean? Okay, what do I mean? Things like um, how people put some money in bonds, right? Just so because they believe that it runs inverse to the stock market. So it is a good balancer and a dampener, you know, for volatility, Right And uh, do you really know how bonds work? You don't know how bonds work. You know it's com inversely correlated based on historical data to the stock market. But you don't know how the bond markets work. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're buying. So when you build your own thing just because you know, um, of this correlation out there that stocks move inverse to bonds, then what are you actually buying? To put it in a very real example, right? So every day you wake up, then you go get ready to go to work or go to school and you exit into your corridor and you see your plants grow and grow and grow. And you think like, wow, my plants keep growing. Huh? I don't need to do anything. I just sleep and wake up. That's it. But actually, your mom has been watering it every day, air fertilizer every week, but you don't know. You just observe that every day when you wake up, your plants grow. And you draw the conclusion that, oh, the growth of the plant is correlated to how many good nights of sleep I have. <laughs> right? So, so that is a very, very big problem in my view, right? When you assume correlation without understanding what you're actually investing in. 
So I'm not against broadly diversified portfolios. I'm not even against MPT. I think those are theories. They form the basis of what is going on and they have their own logic, which is fine. My biggest problem with most people is that they invest into things just because they want to subscribe to this broadly diversified portfolio, but they don't actually understand what they are buying. right? So you can invest in bonds, yes, but how much do you know about bonds, bond fund, how do credit ratings run? Right? And you can invest in properties, but how much do you actually understand about the property market? Right? So at some point in time, you need to ask yourself, okay, if I understand this thing, I'll buy a little bit of it. If I don't really understand, I can buy a very, 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 very small part of it and keep learning until I feel comfortable enough to know what I'm doing, which essentially means you can explain to the person next door, this is what's going on. Right? And that's good enough. I don't think you need to write a thesis and whatnot to prove that you know what's going on, but you get the idea, right? Only invest in what you understand. That is what I believe in, right? So these three questions will help you uh, to form the basis of building your own portfolio. I'm going to recap. Uh, the number one question is, how long is your investment horizon? In other words, when will you start eating from your investments? Okay, if you have 30 years to go, 30, 40 years to go, then okay, you may not need to participate in, you know, uh, an MPT style portfolio. Number two is, how much, you know, from a worst case scenario, can you handle? How much fluctuations can you handle, right? If going down by 30% is okay, going down by 50% is not so okay, then yeah, maybe we can take that as the worst case scenario and, and build your own portfolio. And number three is, what are the tools that you actually understand? For me, it's really about learning as we go along and buy things that you understand. Don't just randomly buy it because, you know, there's some sort of correlation out there or someone else says something, right? So, Learn and learn and over time, you will figure something out that will fit your own palette. So I hope you learned something useful today. This is part one right, of our two-part series of building a portfolio on your own. Part two, we will talk more about the step-by-step -step. and I'll share with you a little bit more about correlation so that you understand what is going on in the process of building your own portfolio. So I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our socials, sign up for our weekly newsletter, everything is in the description below. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have some interesting thoughts that you want to share with our community, we know someone that you want to hear from. Reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week. And always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, sustainable for all. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so today is only the start, you know, of uh, how do you go about building your own portfolio? How do I plan to go about building my own portfolio? This is not... 
advice, okay? Education, entertainment purposes only. Very important. All right, so more importantly is for you to learn some basics and we'll continue next week. It's going to be really fun and very interesting. I love these two episodes, by the way. And later this week, right? Later this week, we're going to have a friend of mine to come on to talk about bonds, right? And it is something that people don't really talk about as much. It's always like, okay, we need to get some stocks, some bonds, but how do you go about picking your bonds? You don't really know, right? How do you evaluate bond funds? How do bonds actually make money? Can you actually make money in a negative bond environment? Yeah, nobody really knows. So, um, other than the pro, right? So, we're going to get the pro on, right? So, next week, CEO of Money Hour Chinting will come on to share with us um, very good insights and she has a lot of good lessons because she was in the hit of like the 2008 financial crisis. So, all the good juices are going to come on. So, we'll see you later this week. And so for next week, it will be a continuation of today's episode, right? There'll be part two. And for everyone else that is, you know, Chinese and celebrating your new year, that'd be great. Happy new year to you. For everyone else, happy holidays. Go ahead and have fun. And I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.